today I'd like to uh, share with you uh, for a few moments. Um, well, why don't we pray here? I just feel the impulse that we need to pray. And there are people in our church family that need a touch of God. There are those who are hospitalized and, and those who are... Lord, you know all of those who uh, stand in need today. And Father, we pray for the release of healing. Lord, into every hospital room, Lord, for those who are suffering with cancers and heart disease, and Lord God, those who are afflicted in body and mind, we just pray, Lord God, that you would pour forth your Holy Spirit into this body of believers and beyond, Lord God, we pray over our church family. For those who are not able to be with us today, we pray there will be a powerful visitation of the Holy Spirit continued in their homes today, in their lives. And Lord, we thank you and we love you because you, Lord, loved us first. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. This morning I'd like to uh, uh, talk for a few moments about freedom. It's a great day to talk about that. I'm, I am grateful to uh, be born into the uh, holiest of nations, the kingdom of God, uh, to be born again, to be a child of God, a citizen of heaven, amen, and Christ Jesus. I thank God for that, and I thank God that I am born, have been blessed to be born in this wonderful nation that we enjoy, and we thank God. And we believe the best parts of this nation are always uh, found and located in the principles that have uh, been derived from the Word of God. You know, those are always the best parts of any culture and any nation, and certainly here in America, uh, we can point at a lot of things today that are problematic and, and troublesome and, and, and uh, things that are just grievous in spirit and mind. And yet, uh, we thank God for those principles that have been part of the foundation of this uh, nation. And uh, we thank God that through the church, uh, the future is bright uh, for the United States of America. And you say, what do you mean through the church? Well, the church isn't a building, it's not just a, uh, a one local body, it's a, a kingdom uh, of uh, a priest, royal priesthood in Christ, it's a, a holy nation unto the Lord, uh, we're peculiar people, and I believe God wants to take this nation over with the peculiarity that is associated with being kingdom people, and uh, we believe that. We know that when the Lord comes, he will establish his kingdom forever, but today we live by kingdom principles we live as kingdom people right we value the things that uh, are part of god's plan for eternity and so we are blessed today uh, to be here uh, robin and i had gone up just to preface some uh, the message here today with uh, uh we had been up to visit with her her family i guess it would be mine too uh, her family and my family and uh, we had gone up to um, New Hampshire where uh, Robin uh, was uh, born and, uh, or you weren't born, you were born in Massachusetts. Uh, we'll forgive you for that, Robin, just kidding. Massachusetts is a good name. Uh, how many, anybody else from Massachusetts here? Anybody else? Come on, nobody's claiming that? Okay, Rob, you're the only one, but we're blessed. I love her, I would have gone to the far reaches of, uh, you know, wherever. Uh, to find you, and yet uh, I didn't have to. You came, uh, and we kind of met at <laughs> Valley Forge, okay? Uh, the freedom. Uh, we, we, when we were driving up there, we did what we've done on a number of occasions. We've gone to Mount Washington. Anybody been to Mount Washington? I'm sure there are those here who have been to Mount Washington in uh, New Hampshire, and, you know, we've done it so many times, and uh, but Robin was a little concerned because I was driving. How many have ever driven up the, uh, the, the mountain road there up to the top? Anybody? Anybody ever done that? Yeah. And uh, Robin was extremely concerned because I was driving. Uh, other, on, on other occasions, I could either see or someone else was driving. I could see a little better. Uh, but I told her we'd done it so many times I could do it with my eyes closed, and she preferred that I not. And uh, so... We made it up, and you know, the one thing that I noticed, and it's obvious as you go higher, uh, you, the vegetation becomes shorter and shorter and shorter until you get to the top, and really there's nothing but rocks and, and 30 degree temperature change and winds. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to see when you stand atop the mountain, but 
you know, it just reminded me of another perspective, and that is the world promises the heights. And yet, the higher you go, or the higher, the, the further we go along in the way of the world, you know, the less life there really is. And you know, when you get to what you believe to be the top, you see there's really no life there. And you know, in this life, the world will always promise a lot more than it can deliver, and it will only give you what takes away from you, what robs you and depletes you. So we, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. We live this life unto the Lord. How many know that there is a distinction made in, uh, of believers? You're in this world, but you're not of this world. You, you, you live among others. You love people. You're invested. You have, uh, you, you've heard the call of God uh, to occupy, to serve, to share the love of Christ with all neighbors, but we realize our citizenship is from a much higher place. And so we talk about freedom this morning, and, and the freedom that's been given to you through Christ is a celebration. It is to be a celebrated, a reason for celebration, the freedom that we have in Christ. Uh, you know, we're not living in bondage. We're not living in fear. We're not living a limited existence in the sense that God doesn't want us to experience the deeper things. God, as Tammy said, is a God of revelation. And in every situation, God provides revelation of himself. In the best of times, in the worst of times, there is a, a source of revelation that God gives to us. And so we celebrate freedom in Christ in every season and in, in every circumstance. Your spirit is not restricted by the things that conquer, that conquer the life without faith, without hope, and without love. You know, this morning we think about even the parameters of this life. You know, God gives us, he gives us parameters to live within. People, well, we have to understand that those parameters are not to restrict us from the abundant life that God gives to us, but really they are set up to establish the, the real abundance that God wants us to enjoy. It can't be found outside of those parameters. That abundant life isn't out there. The devil will always think, make you think that the better stuff is just outside uh, the parameters of God's provision. The devil wants you to believe that all that God has given you is less than what you could really enjoy if you were willing to go outside the parameters. And, uh, you know, it's much like Adam and Eve. Don't, you know, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the, the tree of life. You know, those two trees represented the distinction between God and his creation. And in their perfect sense, we know that God has all knowledge of all things. And yet, uh, when man took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it had a corruptive nature. It had a corruptive effect upon his life and nature. And man walked away from that experiences with uh, uh, a knowledge of guilt and shame, of other susceptibilities, but it didn't have the, uh, the effect that one might think. Because one would think that if you ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that you would know everything just as God does. And anything that God has said that we should not be a part of is given for our protection because what the enemy promises to us as a gift or an enhancement that will take us beyond what God has provided is a, is a lie. You know, when the devil says there's something better for you outside of what God has promised, that somehow you're not living as fully as you could be if you lived outside of your covenant relationship with the Lord. I want to tell you the best life you'll ever live is the one you live in Jesus. The best day you will ever have in your entire life is the day you are born again. There's never another day like it. You know, we're within hours or, or days or possibly hours from having number six. How many understand? We don't do that because they're not important. It's just, you know, it helps me to keep in track. We got one, two, three, four, five, and six any time now. And so when I look at it, I think how excited we are about the birth of each and every one. And I tell all of my grandkids, you're my favorite. I do. I tell them, you're my favorite. And they are. They're my favorite in some regard because they're the only one of them. And they'll always be my favorite in that context. But when I think about this, you know, think about fish. Fish swim. 
and they, they live and function and they have freedom within water. And they absorb oxygen from the water, not from air. And so if they were longing for a life outside of the water and they were to jump out of the water into the, onto the land and could not get back, they would perish. They are free, but there are certain parameters that have been established for their well-being. When you look at this also, you have birds that fly in the air and they fly free, but there are certain laws of aerodynamics that if they, don't, they violate, they will crash to the ground and they will die. And you know, God establishes parameters in life for our health and our well-being, for us to flourish. And when you see this decay of law and order in our nation and you see all of the things that are taking place that promise this hedonistic fulfillment. I want to tell you, it has nothing to offer to you today, church. Hedonism is not part of our relationship with God. How many know this pleasure-seeking, this, uh, this self-gratifying life? That is not the life that we've been called to live because we find our satisfaction in relationship with Jesus Christ. We find the fullness of life in this intimate, joyful relationship that we've been given with Christ and in this rich fellowship that we have one with another. How many know in this room you are family? And you have family outside of this room. Many believers around the world who are born again have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They're part of a divinely established kinship. And it's great to know that we're not in this alone. We're in this together, and we are fixed to the headship of Christ, so we win. There's a marine base in, uh, in, in Havelock, North Carolina. It's a United States uh, Marine Corps base, air station in Cherry Point. And, you know, they're, they're, it's noted for beautiful Carolina beaches there. Some of the best beaches in, in Carolina are found in that area. And yet, this area is not known as much for the beaches as it is for the roar of these planes and jets flying overhead all the time. And, you know, some may say, well, what a nuisance to have to live with that. But there's a sign that's posted at this marine base, and it says, pardon our noise, it's the sound of freedom. And, you know, when you hear that, you understand that there, there is freedom in, that, in, in those jets being able to, to do their their, their, their you know, what are their practice? They're, they're getting, doing what they do. And so as they do this, you know, it helps those who have served as infantrymen in wars to know uh, that they're not alone when they hear the roar of those jets overhead providing cover. And so these men and ladies that, that are part of this, they're, they, they're part of freedom. And so sometimes there are things that seem to be annoying, and yet they provide great freedom. And you know, it might be the noise that some would complain about, but for others who understand the significance of those sounds, it is a song to the heart. You know, here as we read the scriptures today, in 2 uh, Peter chapter 2, the Bible tells us from uh, Peter's uh, epistle that there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will clear, cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful morality, and because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. And then I'd like to go down uh, uh, to verse 19 here, and it says, They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves to sin and uh, uh, slaves of sin and of corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. I just want to pause there a minute. That is a powerful statement. Whatever controls you is your master. In life, if there are certain things that we have, uh, uh, certain addictions that we've allowed to take, to take root in our lives and to have that position of authority, then we are slaves. You know, there are a lot of people who believe that if you indulge in something, it just is a flaunt, you, you being able to celebrate your freedom. But in reality, when you think about it, whatever controls, whatever is an addiction, 
whatever is an obsession in our lives, whatever occupies our time and our focus and our energy and our finance, those are the things that are our masters. We call Jesus Lord, but in reality, how many other masters in our lives have we given place to have influence? People say this isn't a church message. Oh, it is. Because oftentimes, you know, we think that saying Jesus is Lord makes it so. Saying Jesus is Lord, Jesus even says there will be a day when many will come to me who have said, Lord, Lord. You know, and they will begin to recite the, the different ministries that they've been involved with. They've prophesied, they've cast out devils, they've done many things in his name. And he's, he will say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I have never known you. And you know, when you look at that, you think, well, why are we talking about this on a day of freedom? Because we have freedom, but the devil always wants to draw us back to the life that Jesus set us free from. How many know the devil is always trying to draw you back into the life that Jesus delivered you from? You know, when you think about it, Paul referred to some of those he, in, in his epistles as being carnal. Being carnal meant that they were living the way they lived before they came to Jesus. Their dispositions and their attitudes toward others was the same attitude that pro, was, was uh, part of their lives before they came to the Lord. You know, when we look at people and we, we have contempt for others, how many would say that's not, that doesn't exalt Jesus? But how many times in life do believers allow contempt for others to form in their hearts and we just allow it to exist there because we believe we've surrendered enough of our lives to the Lord that this small portion or part is controllable, containable, and God's not concerned about it. It is a lie. God wants to root out all of that. He wants to set us free from all of that. But there has to be a place in our lives where when we recognize that God wants to relieve us of this and to remove it from our lives, and we need to say, you know, sometimes we, it's not a matter of repenting again unto salvation, but it's certainly a, a, the need to repent and to turn away from things that have taken some place in our lives in which they don't belong. You know, as you and I look at this scripture, it says, and when people escape the wickedness from the, uh, escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I'm going to pause there because there's some discussion as to whether someone can backslide or turn away from God. I, I believe that you can. I believe that you can walk away from the Lord, you can, you can fall back into the way of life. Now, when, when someone, does someone lose their salvation? You know, I'm going to leave that to the Lord. But I am going to say that we can turn our backs, we can walk away, we can fall into, that, the, into, those, into the control of the life that Jesus set us free from. You, you, can't, you cannot deny that this, the Scripture makes it clear whether you believe in eternal security or whether it, without the possibility of falling away from God or you do. You have to, when you read the Scripture, it becomes evident that something has happened in these people's lives. When it says here, and when people escape, now understand how many people here understand that escape means that you get out of it that you get away from it, that you are rescued out of it. And it says that those who have escaped or have gotten out of it, who have been delivered from, set, set apart from, he says here in the scriptures, and when people escape the wickedness of the world by knowing, and it's not, I, some will say it's just a mental knowledge of Christ. I believe that it goes beyond that and it speaks of an, a relational experiential uh, experience in Christ. It says, by knowing our Lord and Savior. That's what it says, knowing our Lord and Savior. You hear those two words right there, knowing our Lord and our Savior. You know, the world doesn't look to Jesus as a Lord and Savior. Those who don't know Christ in that personal, relational way, those who have not been born again, don't look to Him as their personal Lord and Savior. And so as we look at this scripture, he says, and then get, entangled, then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again 
How many know, it says, get entangled, get wrapped up in the life that they were delivered out of? How many know that God doesn't want us to live in fear of falling away, but he wants us to understand that there is an adversary who is very subtle in his presentation, and he knows how to draw people back inch by inch into the life that Jesus delivered them from. And all it really, all it really takes is for us to get, become cold in our relationship to the Lord, to become indifferent toward him, that his word begins to slip away from our, from our relationship with him. Our prayer life becomes pretty much dormant. And, and then the next thing you know, the impulses that once drove us before we know Jesus begin to reach out and to call to us again and say, come on over here. And then our minds and our hearts get so filled with the philosophy, the, the rhetoric, and the conversation of the world that we begin to say, uh, uh, you know, it's not so bad. I can do this. It's really not so bad. And, and, and knowing Christ isn't about the do's and don'ts, because if it were merely about that, we'd all be doomed to hell. Because we could never do enough. We can't secure our own salvation. We can't work our way into the kingdom of God, but works are to be part of an outgrowth of what Jesus does in our hearts. And you know, when, your heart get, when our hearts get cold toward God, it just opens the door for all of the other things that the enemy wants to say, hey, this isn't so bad. This is okay. And I see this in the world today. I see it in the church today. We're embracing godlessness today. We're calling evil good, and we're calling good evil. We think only the world does that. That's not true. In an increasing number of places that identify with Christ, at least verbally or doctrinally or in some level of theology, there is this idea that we need to rethink things now. That, you know, maybe what we thought, and sometimes that can be true, what we thought isn't true, but... You know, that's where we look at uh, what Satan said to uh, Adam and Eve. He said, did God really say that? Did he really say that? You know, the only reason he said that is primarily to keep you in, under his thumb, to keep you in control, to limit you from having the real happiness and fulfillment. And the devil wants you to blame God. People say, well, do you believe in a real devil? Absolutely. I don't think Jesus was delusional when he went to the wilderness. There was a real adversary there. I believe Satan presented himself. The Bible tells us that Satan presents himself as an accuser of all of us. Jesus is an advocate, right? How many are thankful for the advocacy of Christ? We're not to sin, but if we do, we have an advocate, right? That's what we're told in John's epistle. But getting back here. It says, and, and when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and then get entangled and enslaved by sin again, they are worse off than before. You know, that's, that's, that's a powerful statement in and of itself. It's either true or it's not. It's either truth or it's not. The Bible's either true or it's not. You, gotta de- you and I have to decide on what we believe about that. And if you believe that it's true, then you've got to let it transform your life. And he says it will be, you will, it, it'll be a worse position. It's like knowing the joy and the, and the freedom of Christ and then to, to the, the intimacy of Christ and to grow cold toward him and to go back out into the world. He says it's a, it's a worse state than it was before. Is it an unreachable state for God? Absolutely not. Thank God for his grace. How many are, are grateful for the grace of God today? Because if you really understand anything about this whole thing, and you must understand that without grace, we're doomed. Everyone, the preacher, everybody in here is doomed. But grace isn't a license for living a sloppy life. It's the power of God to set us free to live joyfully in Christ. Anyhow, he says here, it would be better that they had never known the way of righteousness than to know it and then reject the command uh, uh, they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of the proverb, a dog returns to its vomit, and another says a washed pig returns to the mud. 
you know, when you think about those two images, how many can, you can envision that? How many have ever witnessed that? You've seen, you know, my, my uncle in North Carolina, I think he, he had a hog farm. He had, about, and he had thousands of hogs. And it was just an amazing thing. We'd go down to visit, uh, and we'd see all these pigs and hogs. And, you know, they, you know they, the, the problem I have with pigs is they, they don't like to take a bath. But I don't have any problem with ham and bacon and sausage. I'll tell you that much right now. I have no problem with that. <laughs> Pigs and me get along really well uh, there. There are many streams that can be traced to contaminated waters. First John 4, it says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they co- have come from Uh, they have comes from uh, God. For there are many false prophets in the world, and this is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. Now, I understand you might, that might sound a little confusing, but really, it, what he's, I believe he's saying is if they, they embrace the testimony of Scripture, they embrace the revelation, the words of Jesus about who he declares himself to be, they are of God. If they, if they embrace Christ as revealed, virgin-born, sinless life, supernatural and miraculous, as a sacrificial substitute, a sacrificial lamb on the cross, as the resurrected Christ, he says, if, if, if a man believes that Jesus has come in the flesh and they believe that he is, they are of God. So, You know, there are those who celebrate panning gold. You know, how many of you, anybody ever tried that, panning for gold? Steve, I appreciate that. That's always neat to see. I can see you now. Isn't that amazing? You look better than I've ever remembered you looking. I'm just kidding. You always look. <laughs> uh, but, you know, there are those who celebrate uh, panning fool's gold until someone with real knowledge and personal experience and discerning eyes identify the distinction between fool's gold and real gold. You see, there are too many people who have strayed away from that intimacy with God, and they're still panning for the gold that God provided, but they're, they're panning in tributaries that are contaminated, that have a contaminated source. They're, they're, they're full of fool's gold. And there are people who are celebrating fool's gold. Now let me say this. There are those who have wrongly celebrated fool's gold for generations. And then there are those who celebrate fool's God as those false doctrines and false teachings that are introduced into the body of Christ today. So it's not just what's happening now, but sometimes there are things that have been established that have been fool's gold. And we've celebrated fool's gold And you know, as Christians, we've got to be, the Bible says, test them. You can't test the, you know, people say, I need discernment in my life. Here, I'm going to give you the very first step, to, well, two steps to having discernment in your life. Number one, you must be born again. Okay? Number two, there's going to be three, I'm sorry. Three, two, you have to have the Holy Spirit. And number three, you've got to read the Word. You can't, you see, the Word of God is the things that we compare things to, not what people say, not opinions, not, uh, not, not people's views or thoughts in life. You're going to talk to a lot of people who will tell you a lot of things about God, and not all of it will be true, and in fact, a lot of it won't be, and you have to know the difference. Or else you're going to be led astray. And you're just going to follow every wind of doctrine. You're going to be blown all over. That Bible has to be more than a dust collector. You know, your home's not more sanctified by how many Bibles are under the roof, but really it's sanctified by how many uh, uh, Bibles are in the hearts of those who dwell under the roof. You know, that's the key. I'm going to move quickly here. I know it's 4th of July. Anybody setting off any MAEs or anything tonight? We want to come over. Robin loves that stuff. 
Uh, four ways to distinguish fool's gold from real gold, just for those who may be interested. Number one, shine. When you're viewing fool's gold with a natural eye, it glistens, but it doesn't shine. You know, when you, look at, uh, when you pick up fool's gold, you look at fool's gold, and you, you, it, it says you take a, a piece of copper and try to scratch the copper with the gold. If it scratches, it's pyrite. Pyrite is harder than copper. If you do, and that's fool's gold, if you do have real gold, be careful with this test. You wouldn't want to damage this beautiful nugget. The residue that's left behind, gold will leave a pure yellow residue, while fool's gold will leave a greenish-black powdery residue when rubbed against white porcelain. Edges, the pyrite has sharp edges, gold has rounder edges. The shape of fool's gold is a lot more angular. So, you know, none of that will probably apply to your, your activities today. But if you happen to go out in the little creek behind your house and give it a shot, you might be wasting your time. There are those who have sold snake oil. How many of you have heard of snake oil? They make these bold promises. There was a man named Clark Stanley who was prolific in selling this snake oil liniment. It promised, you know, everything that you could imagine. It would address uh, rheumatism, uh, let's see, uh, I don't even know, what. oh, neuralgia, sci sciatica, lumbago, uh, contract, uh, contracted, I don't know what that means, contracted cords, toothache, sprains, swellings, use it for frostbite, chill, uh, chill, I don't know what that is, uh, yeah, something, uh, bruises, sore throats, bites of animals, insect, and reptiles. You, you, you know, there's a lot of promise there. And there were people who would buy it because they, it promised so much. The world will always promise so much more than what it will ever deliver. In fact, any uh, you know, Satan promised Jesus the world if he would bow before him and recognize him. You know, it wasn't his to give in the first place, but he always presents this, this glamorous view, uh, this enriching view that is nothing, nothing close to what it really is. If you give me a few more minutes, I'll finish. Don't, if, you, uh, if you don't, then I'm still going to finish. Think of how many versions of the truth are out there. You've got to know the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, there's no, there's no magic here. I mean, there's the power of God, and that's not magic, right? That's not, you know, there are people out there looking for ghosts. There are going to be people running all over Gettysburg today. Ooh, I want to see a ghost. My wife, she gets, uh, so I hope she's entertained, but mostly I know she's annoyed. We ride through with her, with her sleek little car with the roof down, you know, her uh, uh, 2005 PT Cruiser that I have, well, forget it. We ride down the road, and all these people standing out along the road, and every time we go by, I slow down, and I go, <laughs> And she says, she, uh, she says, please stop that. <laughs> Anything which alters the revelation of Christ in person and in teaching is not from God. Come on, church. Do you believe the scriptural testimony about Christ? Do you believe what Jesus said about himself? Do you believe what the Holy Spirit said about God, or the Lord Jesus? Do you believe what the prophets have said about Jesus Christ? Because if you believe that, you don't have any room in your heart for these foolish fabrications. Anything which places a believer under religious bondage is not from God. Now, this isn't about being brought under bondage. Jesus didn't say, he did say that we would have a yoke, but we would be yoked with him, and he would carry the heavy end of it. He would, he would make the difference in our lives. See, under the yoke of the law, we are crushed. We have not a prayer, because we can't bear the weight of the law upon our own shoulders and please God, because we are flawed, and we are, we are weak, and we are limited. But Jesus came, and he delivered us out from under that yoke, into the freedom that offers no condemnation. As we look, anything which causes a child of God to view others with contempt is not of God. Anything which comes up short on Christ, his love and grace is not truth. And I'll say this to you, don't follow a person. 
Don't exalt an individual. You know, we make celebrities out of God's servants, and, you know, they're the only real celebrity in God's house is Jesus Christ. Come on, church. You know, I hear people say all the, oh, well, I just, I send my tithe to so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so in my offering. That's all good. But you better know that you're doing it for the work of God and not because of an individual. There are those who love to be exalted. They love the personal accolades. Uh, they love, and because of that love, they are willing to distort the truth and they will lead people astray to build a personal following. You know how I know that's true? Because it's told to us in the Word. Acts chapter 20, verse 30, Paul says, or, or in, uh, in Luke says, even some men from our own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. You know, think about this. Jesus says in Matthew 23, he says, the uh, teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey whatever they tell you, but don't follow their example. You know, some people think that you can't preach the truth, you can't teach the truth if you're not living for God. Jesus said they're teaching you Good they're teaching you God's word, but don't behave like they do because they neglect the most important elements and they, then they strain at gnats and swallow camels at the expense of people being set free by the truth. He says they love to receive respectful greetings as they walk in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi. You know, there's another scripture here, and I'm not talking, number one, if you think that I'm telling you to, to be irreverent toward the call of God that he's placed on people's lives, that is very far from the truth. We respect and we rever the respect and, and reverent, but we revere God. We revere him, we exalt him, we don't exalt people because when you follow people so closely and you, you lose sight of, the, of Christ and he becomes kind of, uh, he's only introduced to you through that person and you're dependent upon that person to show you Jesus, when they go astray, you go astray. So keep your eyes fixed on, on the word and on Christ. One more here, the death of Herod Agrippa. It says in verse uh, 20 of Acts 12, Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, so they sent a delegation to make peace with him because their cities were dependent on Herod's country for food. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes and sat on his throne and made a speech. To them and he, the people gave him a great ovation what a great great speaker and they said and it's not about being a great speaker you understand but in his case it says uh, shouting it is the voice of a god and not a man and they began to go wild and it says instantly the angel of the lord struck herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to god so he was consumed with worms and he died oh you say that's only old testament no no acts is in the new testament you know, when you look at this scripture, Paul, he shares in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, we do not use the words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truth. Do not exalt a person. Come on now. Well, when I hear people say, well, I pastored here, and when I left, it all fell apart. I, 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 you know, I'm thinking, I wouldn't be telling too many people that. Because that means what you, maybe, maybe it means what you've invested in was something that was built around you. And when you left, those who were focused on you, they left. We don't run after people. You understand, we're here today and we'll be gone tomorrow. And if the Lord tarries and this church remains, somebody tomorrow is going to be doing something that we're doing today. And I pray to God they're excelling far beyond what we're having here in our lives. Only here for a little while. I'm gonna, uh, I'm, I don't know how many times. I, I'm going to move quick. What time? It's 11.05. Um, all the people have feet of clay. You understand that, right? We all have feet of clay. 
You say, not me, I don't have any. Let me tell you, feet of clay is a metaphor for human frailty, and it's an idiom meaning a surprising fault or a hidden flaw in the character of someone who is greatly admired. Now, what it means is, how many of you would acknowledge that there are, there, there are perhaps a weakness or two in your life? <laughs> oh, you know, there are certain vulnerabilities that I have that when I step out from, away from uh, the cover of God that I, you know, I, I could fall, I could stumble. How many have temperament issues? Nobody has temperament issues, right? It, you only raise your voice under the anointing of God. How many of us hide in our hearts reproach for people? And from time to time, we can't take it anymore, and it just explodes out of our mouths. Feet of clay. The preacher has feet of clay. The people in the church have feet of clay. It means there are certain vulnerabilities. There are certain points where, let me just say this, it's not because God's work is incomplete. It's just that we need to continue to mature and to grow and to realize who it is we are in Christ and avail the, the work of the Holy Spirit more access and authority <laughs> here's the word two words growth area how many have that sounds more politically correct how many have growth areas in your life call jesus said call no man father as you would call god and no and call no man teacher as you would the lord he says as you would call god and christ because you have one father it doesn't mean you don't right recognize the the spiritual nature of, of a, almost a, a, a paternal impact in your life. It just means, understand, there's ultimately one exalted Father. And when these people run around and they want to be known and they want to be exalted and they want to be lifted up, that's why Jesus said it. He, he saw these preening peacocks walking around wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard, wanting to be celebrated they wanted the choicest seats at every occasion they wanted to be recognized oh rabbi doctor 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 how many know something if you're not a child of god it doesn't matter how many doctors you have in front of your name it doesn't matter how many bs's you have behind your name no i didn't swear it's a bachelor of science okay doesn't matter if you have one master, two masters, three masters, four masters. If you don't know the master, all your other masters don't mean anything. Do not be the self-righteous soul who claims not to follow anyone else, but we follow ourselves exclusively believing that we are somehow infallible and divine in our view of all things. How many here, honestly, have ever found it difficult in situations to believe that you could be wrong. I'm going to raise my hand there because I believe there are times I just can't even proceed. I can't understand why people, certain people don't like me. I can't understand why they don't see my point of view. You know, when you think about it, it's just those are growth areas. Christian educators, scholars, renowned teachers, evangelists, entertainers, Christian. There, there have been many who have fallen and had multitudes of people following them. You understand how well, I'm talking about some, some of what we would consider to be the, the premier voices in, in, in this faith. You understand, people have feet of clay. And the enemy will work every angle to bring a person down. And if we're not developing, allowing God to develop those areas of our lives, we are vulnerable. I'm going to ask our musicians to come. That'll make you feel better. You know something? Uh, I, I, how many remember Jim Jones? Yeah, younger people wouldn't. Jim Jones was a cult leader who had a group of people in Guyana, jo uh, in Jonestown, November the 17th, 1978, something happened. And it represented the largest number of American civil casualties in a, in, uh, to that point in a single non-natural event to that point. Of course, since then, we've had other catastrophes that have been induced. 
You understand, that during that, on that day, over 900 people, either by choice or force, committed suicide or were murdered. They had followed Jim Jones to the point where when the opportunity came for them to drink the Kool-Aid, they drank the Kool-Aid. I don't know if it was cyanide or whatever was in it, but they drank it. Many willingly, they laid down their lives to follow this false teacher. And the sad thing about this is that there were generations that died that day. There were grandparents, parents, and children who died under that deception. And, you know, people say, well, how did they ever get to that point? My understanding is that Jim Jones was a, an ordained minister at one point. And you begin to veer off the course. You listen to too many people telling you how great you are. Oh, I'm so great. They can't, they can't do this without me. They're dependent upon me, and there's nothing more evil than a person who exploits influence over others for personal gain. This dissent is what the enemy calls us. You know, the dog, think about this. This dog, he, he expels bleh, that which he needed to expel, and then he goes back and starts eating it again. Because the old man will always tell you the life that you lived before is even better now. The life you came out of is better than ever. You know, come back. There's a new improved version here, and you'll find that it has something much better than even what you had before. The best salesman of all is the devil. You know, a, dog, a pig laying in there, they say they don't have certain glands that, uh, to, to regulate, so they lay in the mud, and they cool themselves, and they protect themselves from... Uh, what do you call that? Uh, you know, you call it something, but uh, <laughs> I'll call it something in the ride home. I'm going to ask you to stand with me this morning. You see, St. Augustine made this statement. He said, the whole world is one great diseased man, lying extended from east to west and from north to south. And to heal this great sick man, the almighty physician descended from heaven. You know, the dog got rid of its corruption inside and, and vomited it out and it, it, only to return to it. We're going we're gonna to speak some words of affirmation here today, declaration, affirmation in some cases, but Johnny Depp, not someone that I follow, but I know who he is. He says alcohol, in his own public testament, said uh, helps him to cope. And I'll just read you this article Johnny Depp says that he doesn't have a physical need for alcohol, but in an interview with Rolling Stone magazine, he also admitted alcohol is, my, is more my medication, my self-medication over the years just to calm the circus. Once the circus kicks in, the festivities in the brain, it can be ruthless. I'm kind of socially inept, and alcohol was always a great crutch. Mingling at parties and stuff like that has always not, uh, been not a nice experience for me. It's just not comfortable. So I found I needed to drink in those situations. Just slam a couple down and go. Okay, I can muster up enough small talk to meander my way through this thing and get out the other side unscathed. You know, what a sad 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 thing and he's a celebrity i understand but there are a lot of people who live that same lifestyle and it might not be alcohol it might just be the the things that become crutches in our lives that we can't function without them and we have to have maybe it's we need that all that constant affirmation from someone to tell us that we're okay rather than knowing in our hearts that the lord he loves you and you are more than okay as his child we all need affirmation, but you understand in this life, anything and everything will step up to provide a crutch, a dependency. As we close today, I want to say, if you know the Lord today, you're free. You are walking the most, uh, the, the most complete life that will ever, ever, ever be offered anywhere. Abundant, eternal, 
extensive, deep life that really can only be appreciated through the Holy Spirit. Here we are to share today. I'm going to ask you to just repeat with me, and we'll read a few scriptures here. I, I thank our worship team. You put up with a lot dealing with me. You never know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I mean, I know what I'm doing when the word comes, but I don't know what, what God may say, do this. And I'm, I didn't plan that, Lord. It's not in my notes. He said, my thoughts are, are better than your notes right now. I want to say this to you, and I want you to repeat it with me. You ha- do we have them? It says, I am born anew in Christ. See what we got up there. Okay. More, and, and, and with that, I, would you read the scriptures? Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God who lives and abides forever. After each one, let's give it an amen. Amen. I am blood-bought. Revelation 1-4. John to the seven churches, which are in, which are, where are they? Oh, in Asia. They're still there. Which are in Asia. Where am I at here? Okay, yeah, you know what? Go to that. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I am Holy Spirit indwelt, filled and overflowing. Romans 8, 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Can you give that an amen? I am a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen. If there's one you particularly like, you can shout. I am confident in the one whom I place all with whom I place all things. For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. Amen. I embrace my new identity. Okay, let's see what we got. Okay, is that Galatians? What, is that? Yeah. Oh, I don't have one for that, so. But I do have one. Let me read it to you. I'll share it with you. I probably didn't. It says, He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. And he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. I walk in my new life, new calling, and newly divine appointed test. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Amen. Don't get too, uh, I won't keep you here much longer. It's only 10 more. I am in Christ, confident, courageous, and in him, a champion of love, truth, and grace. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. Amen. I am standing on the word of God. My past, present, and future rest upon it. Psalm 61, 2. From the end of the earth I will call to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Amen. I am walking forward. The past has nothing for me. 
Philippians 3, not that I have already attained or have, am already perfected, but I press on that I may hold to that for which Christ has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's finish this strong. We only got four more, I think. I am fully invested in righteous thoughts, righteous dreams, righteous prophecies, righteous behaviors and relationships. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I am formed in Christ, in his righteousness, in the revelation of the divine, of truth and grace and love. What did I put up there? I, and those who belong to Christ, wait. Did I put that? Where are we at here? Okay, did I put one up there? Okay, I didn't put one up there, but I'll read you one anyhow. Let's see which one. I'm going to read you a few of them here. Matthew 5.10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5.20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter Jesus also again says in Matthew 6, 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I live free as I am dead to the nature that once ruled over me. Galatians 5, And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I will declare his goodness, sing his praises, and joy shall forever fill my heart. First Peter 2, 9, he says, But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness. Amen. In marvelous light. I'm sorry, I was looking ahead trying to make sure. Okay, I, am, I will share this good news in word and in deed to every demographic. Uh, Matthew eleven five. it says, The ministry that witnessed of Christ is carried forth in Holy Spirit power through the church. The blind see and the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Amen? Amen. I am sealed by the love of Christ and by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Okay, which one? I, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, one twenty one. I'm sorry. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ has anointed us is God, and who is also sealed, who has also sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. I, my numbers are off as they have been. I want to thank you, Diane, for making some sense out of my mess. I am I am a child of the kingdom of the living God. Matthew four twenty three. Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. And last of all, I am free in Christ from all false claims and evil curses spoken over my life by the enemy. Romans 8, 2, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. How about giving the Lord a big praise? Hallelujah! Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to the Lamb of God. I tell you, I want you to go out of here today knowing that you're free. If you, you, you know, Pastor Don, and I call him Pastor Don. I've told him many times, he, he's my pastor. I love that man. He's my pastor. He did a wedding this week, communion this week, and he's kicked the devil in the behind in a few other places. But I want to thank you today. We thank you, Pastor Don, and uh, we love you very much. And, and i got to tell you, the woman that, that is, uh, she is a stalwart, is uh, Mrs. Tony Green, and we love her. To, I'd say to death, but I hope we don't have to go that far. Uh, but we love you a lot. This morning, you're free in Christ. And, you know, as Pastor Don said here this morning, he, when he did communion, um, I'm going to think, what, what did you say this morning? I was going to tell you what you said, but I can't remember what you said. But I just I want to say that you live, 
You live, you, you, oh, here it is. That you examine yourselves. So I know during communion, there were, people were examining themselves and looking inside and saying, God, show me what you see and deliver me into your full, full pleasure. And so if you've done that, I want you to know, if you've surrendered your life to the Lord, you know salvation. You're a child of God. You win. You don't lose. I want to tell you, no matter what the circumstances might look like, you never lose. I want to tell you that. You never lose. We've all been knocked down a few times in life, but you know what? We never lose because we are living a life that is irrepressibly powerful. It always rises up because Christ in us rises up. You're full of freedom and joy. Don't live a restricted religious life. Don't live a life of defeat. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live-streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.